All right, everybody, I am here today with Danny McHale. He is the founder and CEO of Zuza. How are you doing today, Danny? Doing great. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. Uh, so Patty and I are going to talk to Danny today about this concept of multi-channel payment acceptance and how you know really merchants they expect a little bit more from their uh, payment provider. And so we're going to jump in and talk about that. But Danny, before we do that, um, I have never heard your story. So I would really like to start off getting a little bit of context. You know, how did you end up founding Zuza? What's your story that brought you to that point? I'll try to make a long story very short. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> So I started my entrepreneur investment career very early. Started my first company at 13. Oh, wow. Uh, which, which later evolved into day trading in high school. So I was cutting class to go buy stock. Um, uh, which later a man after my to, own heart. <laughs> <laughs> which later, later evolved to me uh, getting a nice check my senior year of high school and buying my first Papa John's franchise at 18. Wow. Um, yeah, so I was the youngest Papa John's franchisee, so that evolved to about close to 17 or 20 stores. We owned and managed, it fluctuated, but between 17 and 20 stores for a few years. Well, during that time, uh, I was getting inundated with merchant service reps. I bet. And it, it, led me to, yeah, it led me to believe that this is a good opportunity, there's something going on here. So I started doing a little bit of digging, and long story short, started up in ISO a few years later. Um, that ISO eventually evolved to, a, to become a very large super ISO. And a few years ago, we sold that company to a private equity group out of New York. So we exited um, and moved on to the next venture. But during that time, when I, when I was the CEO and founder of a payment processing company, I realized there was a huge opportunity and a huge need for both the merchant and the ISO, MSP, and bank that's how Zusa started. Sure. We, we, we founded up, we founded a fintech company that focused on the merchant first, giving them the needs they need. And I'll explain what we do a little bit differently than what the rest do, but also um, servicing the ISO, the MSP, the banks, and, and giving them their own solution. Right. Right. So let's let's do this and let's let's transition that a little bit, Danny, and give us a little bit more info on Zusa because you know it's I, I don't really want to just call it a point of sale system because it's more than that. Give give our listeners kind of that high level view. What is Zusa? What kind of sets it apart? Absolutely, and we're not and we're not a point of sale system only. That's one of our divisions, but but, but really what we do differently than most is we're a business management software. So to to break it down real simple, we're a simple terminal. If you really think about it, you can accept payment on a tablet, done, if that's all the merchant wants to do. But we also have it where if the merchant wants to add loyalty, invoicing, time and attendance, calendar, scheduling. Um, uh, inventory management, right? Inventory management, you know, the, the list goes on and on sure. and on. And, and if they want to do that, unlike a lot of our competitors where you have to download another app, or you have to tie into another software. With us, the simple toggle, you turn on or off. So they could scale up in a matter of seconds, and it's all for free. It's all included in the price. Marketing, analytics, whatever they want, they just toggle it on and off. So right. what, Zusa, what, what makes Zusa different, James and Patty, than, than the rest of the competition is we're the only multi-vertical and, and, and multi-functionality platform that also allows you to white label right. in the industry mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, if you talk about eating your cake and ice cream too, uh, we are that organization. I just, just, I'm very curious, uh, Danny, what, what, where did the name come from, Zusa? I mean, I, I, I did a quick little search, you know, name search, and it seems to be a, a Slovakian kind of uh, origins. Is Does it have any particular meaning to you? or I mean, where did you come up? It's yeah. a cool name. <laughs> Thank you. That's, you know, and, and so we've been around six years, uh -huh. and in six years, we've only had one guy guest. So I'm going to tell you, this will be the first time ever. Okay, never Thank you. The reason. <laughs> this will be This will be the one, in, you know, this is the one time where we finally explain what Zusa stands for. So um, obviously the website is www.getzusa.com. Correct. There's a meaning behind that, too. Okay. The word Zusa is an old Aramaic word. 
Okay. About Seven thousand, eight thousand years old. If you remember, right? In the Bible, Jesus spoke Hebrew, Greek, right. and Aramaic. Yes. Right. It's an Aramaic Assyrian word that stands for money. Ah. Oh, so okay. Actually, so 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 com stands for getmoney.com. Get Very cool. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Thank you. I, I just uh, I just thought other people might wonder as well yeah, as me. Yeah, that's so. really really cool. So, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. So we're we're definitely, of course, going to dive into the white labeling and a bunch of other things here. But I, before we get to that, let's let's zoom out a little bit, Danny. Let's talk about kind of just general trends here because this is you know you're on the forefront of seeing these trends. So one trend that's really interesting to me, of course, is these the number of businesses, the percentage of businesses, the number of verticals that really now want you know whether you want to call it omni-channel or multi channel or whatever they want to accept payments at their store they want to send invoices they want to do scheduling they mm -hmm. they want to have multiple points where they can you know kind of accept payments and so they don't just want that physical terminal or just want that gateway so talk about this trend a little bit what are you seeing and how did that really affect the design of zuza you know and that, that, that that's a very valid point james and years ago even before zuza started we saw the trend starting to go that way okay right. we noticed Merchants want a little bit more than just accepting a payment, which is why we designed uh, Zuza to work. Okay, if you just want to accept the payment, no problem. You swipe it, you right. insert it, you do pin and chip, no problem. But what a lot of guys, the, 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 what, would, what we would normally get over the years is we'd get a person that would get set up today, two months from now, call us and say, well, I also want to be able to do invoicing. Sure. I also want to be able to do time and attendance. So what we realized was like, man, it was a constant constant struggle to be able to service that individual on a basic terminal or even on a POS system. Mm -hmm. So, so what we, the, the trend is definitely going that direction, which is why we've designed our platform to work uh, where you could scale it up or scale it down. It's very user-friendly, very easy. That's why with us, you could accept payment on the tablet. You could accept payment via an invoice. So, so, you know, we've got furniture shops or, or retail stores that, We'll take partial payment now and then send an invoice out. Merchant gets the link. I'm sorry, consumer gets the link, clicks that link, pay it on his phone, and then it records back software. And you could track all your open invoices, partially paid invoices, closed invoices. So, and then you can also pay on our back end, our, our, our uh, back end solution that's in the cloud. So it's definitely going that direction. We're seeing more and more of it, um, which is also why Q1 next year we're rolling out our kiosk solution. Oh, now, nice. not only do they want to accept payments on all different fronts, James and Patty, they also want to be able to not, you know, have an unmanned solution. Of course, sure. Work with their software. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so this is really interesting, and I want to I want to dig into this a little bit more. So, you mentioned the furniture store. That's a really good example. Um, can you give us two or three others? What, what are some other ones that use the invoicing? I think you also mentioned like scheduling. I'm assuming is that like a hair salon or give us a couple of other examples of verticals that are leveraging Zuza to have these kind of multi-channel payment options. Yeah. So, so really, really, really unique situation. Most. So we were just at WSAA in Palm sure. Springs. Mm -hmm. And, and we had, you know, there's a lot of other software vendors out there. And, and one of the things we heard time and time again was Zusa was the best software for their ISO needs in that entire exhibit hall. I mean, time, we probably heard it 12 times. That must show. have made you feel great. And there, <laughs> it does. Sure. It does. You know, knock on wood, we've been working hard for six plus years and, and it's starting to show off, right? Mm -hmm. And really, really the reason is, and I'll say this again, is we weren't focused on just the restaurants. Uh, I, I feel like there's tons of restaurant softwares out there, and a lot of those guys do it well. We, we definitely do a good job. Our restaurant channel does very well. But, there, but then there's all these other merchants that were you know, neglected right. that, that either had to pay 500 or or $1,000 a month for software or something ridiculous of that sort, or they just had to use a terminal. Right. So, so we, we developed a solution that works for the you know, furniture, loves invoicing, loves scheduling. Because with the scheduling uh, uh, Patty and, and James, I can today sell you a couch, set it to deliver two weeks from now between eight and two on the 22nd, for example. Mm, mm -hmm, sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, that's, not a, that's not a solution. Your, your, your small furniture, boutique, antique stores um, have today at an affordable price. I would imagine so, appliance stores would be a similar thing, correct? Yeah. So, so we do really well in trade services, appliance stores, furniture, automotive, mm. uh, Believe it or not, one of the fastest growing channels at, at Zuza's bakeries. 
They love the fact that they have, we have a full customer management piece, which I'll, we'll get into in a little bit, but uh, you could track all your customers, purchases, set delivery dates, uh, pickup dates, and send out invoices for larger catering orders. So, and then we do really well with caterers. So sure. th- there really isn't one vertical we're right. growing in. There's about 14 or 15 we're actually growing in right now. Hmm. So, so let's talk about, I have a question about a few other really specific ones, just to make sure I'm understanding it. So I, I do want to talk about the hair salon and some of these other really common ones that it's, and I bring that one up because the hair salon is actually one that I know a lot of agents and ISOs get kind of frustrated with finding the right solution for them. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys do with like a hair salon, a place like that, or, you know, a nail studio, whatever, where they're trying to um, schedule these appointments and, and all of that? How do you handle that situation? So through the software, we have an ability to schedule an appointment for a certain hairstylist or, or uh, pr- profession, right, beautician, right. on a certain date. Okay. 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 And, and not only that, but we also have the ability to send the client a reminder the day before. So, mm-hmm. Hey, don't forget, you've got a haircut tomorrow at 3 p.m. Right. And, and, and it's very user-friendly. Um, all the hairstylists that are using it at the salon can log in with their phone and check their calendar. So even if they're not booking their appointments, a lot of these hair salons or, or med spas or, or barbershops, they have someone at the front desk taking sure. their appointment. Sure, sure. So the hairstylist sometimes doesn't know what her schedule or his schedule looks like the next day. So they can simply that evening at night, at night when they're home, say, oh, I wonder what my schedule looks like tomorrow. Log in with their phone, take a look at it, and see what their entire schedule looks like. Sure. So oh, that's, and that's awesome. I really, especially the reminder thing is so crucial. The next one I really want to dive into, Danny, is the QSR space. Uh, what does your solution do there? Because I know there's some kind of unique needs there with the pizza shops, et cetera. Can you give us a little bit of information about the QSR and what kind of features you have there? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the one thing about Zuza that helps us stand out from the competition is we've got a fully built out customer management solution. So customer management software. So CMS, we call it right. CMS. Sure. With the CMS, you can enroll your client. You, you, you get all your customers uploaded either manually one by one or, or you could do a mass upload via you know, uh, Excel sheet. And, and then at that point, you can track all your customer movements. Um, and usually the reason most people enroll is because the client offers them something free, right? Like a free loyalty. Sure, so sure. Enroll today, get a free slice of pizza. Or enroll today, get a free pie, Okay. Um, so you, these customers enroll, it helps you, it helps the merchant track all their customer movement, helps them understand what's being bought, helps them understand what's not being sold. Um, you could reward your customer with our fully built out loyalty program via points program, digital punch card program. But then you could also run an analytical report to tell you who are my top red wine drinkers on Friday night between four and seven. Who's my top Pinot Noir? You could filter down as much as you want. And then you could also remarket back to those guys. So the reason why we're doing really well in the QSR space is because these are solutions and technologies that did not exist at an affordable price to the small SMB guys. Right. So, mm-hmm. so we know that there's over 28 million SMB uh, clients in the country today, and, and I think quickly growing. Sure. Um, and the solution we offer, Walmart and Sam's Club, already have, right? Walmart, Sam's Club, Costco, sure. uh, Amazon, all, all the big boys already have this solution right. with the analytics. So what we've done is we've taken that and offered it to the small guy. And, and, and that's why the QSR space for us is our, one of our top five fastest sure. growing is because they love the fact they could see what's being bought, what's being sold. And then also if there's a slow season, remarket out to those guys. Send yeah. them a text Send them an email. Right, right. And I would imagine if you're doing like a loyalty type of thing, you can, you know, uh, code like uh, when their birthdays are or their anniversaries with the store or something like that. Send out special notices and coupons, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I've, got, I've got my own cigar shop that I have an occasional scotch and cigar uh, once a week or once every couple weeks at. And what he does with our software, he could filter down to see, you know, for example, if he has a special promo that day for just a specific item that he wants to push or if he has a vendor or a rep he'll mark it out just to those guys uh-huh. so yes absolutely guys you can mark it out for birthdays anniversaries even if it's specific buyers that drink or eat or smoke a specific item mm-hmm. uh, you could mark it out to them in our system our software has 
uh, stackable filters where you can filter out and get the data you need. So let market me. Efforts. So, yeah, we don't we don't believe in just sending out an email or a coupon to fifty thousand people. We believe in send out a specific marketing item targeted to a specific group. So, so, but also to the individual, right? Like, let's say Patty Murphy regularly comes in and gets a cigar and a scotch. Actually, I'd go for a bourbon myself, but that's okay. Uh, but no, I was going to say you had me at Scotch Patty. Okay, <laughs> but you know, I, I I've been coming in, you know, once a week for the, you know, and then suddenly I stopped coming in. Right. Right. So you're right. the cigar store owner, and you're like, oh, I haven't seen Patty around lately. I ought to send her, like, a, tell her we're having a special on, uh, you know, Maker's Mark or you know something like that to 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 lure her in. Right? Is that is that what you're talking about as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Not only that, but our software sends out on on each receipt. You can enable again if you want to turn it on. If you don't uh-huh. want to turn it on, never turn it on. Sure. Turn it off. Right. But if you enable your customer survey report on every receipt, you would have received a customer satisfaction. Uh, yes or no. Uh, right? OK. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So not only with not only with the merchant wanted, you know, if he wants to know, hey, what happened to Patty? He could a search by your phone number. B, just type in P.A.T. and I'll pull up all everyone with P.A.T. and then T.I. And, oh, this she is. OK. Oh, uh, OK. Uh-huh. uh-huh. He could even see if you sent a recent negative report. Oh. So then he could even reach out to you and say, hey, I'm sorry about what happened three weeks ago. We haven't seen you in here since. Um, if you'd like, I'd, I'd love to give you a free bourbon and, and a cigar if, if you come in this Friday. OK. Very cool. Very cool. So this is like so is. so interesting. Very, this is like you know take that take those Domino commercials to the next level. You know, right, how they, exactly. you're not satisfied with your pizza. Well, right, right. This right. is far better than yeah, that. Yeah, well, it's, it's really enabling these small business owners to do things that their larger competitors either can't do yet or are are doing, and that the small business owners kind of missing out on. Sure. So what? One last one, Danny. Talk to us about retail sure. a little bit. Specialty retail. Um, you know, you're going to run into like multiple location type stuff there. Um, you know, uh, many more SKUs, etc. Talk. Talk to us a little bit about that. What what does Zusa do there? So so we're, we're we actually do really well there as well, and that has a lot to do with the way our CTO Shalesh Shalom, who's a partner of, of in the firm and a good friend of mine, um, Shalesh came from PetSmart. So okay, I think you guys have all heard yep, of PetSmart. Sure so, have. Um, yeah, our our architecture for the software. There's some uh, you know some some similar designs there, and what I mean by that is. We can have unlimited SKUs, unlimited locations. We're definitely designed for multi-location merchants. Um, and, and, the, and the reason we are is, again, just having that unlimited SKU amount and the ability to – so our software has a unique tool that we have a whole separate segment for multi-location merchants. So they can go in there. They could look at what's in inventory in all the stores, what's sold in all the stores, almost like a bird's-eye view of 175 locations. Right. Okay. Right. Um, so, so we do really well in retail. Um, the other reason we're doing really well in retail is, is, again, a lot of the retailers we've talked to or dealt with wanted that future pickup, future delivery date. Um, so, for example, say you have something not in stock today, which happens quite often. Sure. But it arrives on the 17th. I could actually schedule it just to be delivered to your house on the 18th. Right. Done. You don't even have to. You don't even have to come back in the store. You don't have to call to see. You know. We can just schedule a future delivery, or if you do want to come back in the store because we'd love to have you, schedule a future pickup date. Right. Yeah. So basically, it's like somebody comes to the counter. It sounds like you're saying, you know, they're like, "Hey, I want this shirt or whatever," but it's not. You don't have it in my size. Then they go into Zusa. Um, they, they can go ahead and schedule and say, well, "Do you want us to send it to you, or do you want to come in the store and pick it up?" They schedule that in inside of Zusa. They can maybe even send a reminder or, or that kind of thing. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, absolutely. And our software does have a reminder for the owner. So, for example, we have a report that's generated whenever you go into the segment. And you could so, – so I'll give you a perfect example. Um, we, we have a retailer that does delivery every morning. What he does is the day before, he goes in, he sets his filters for the next day, he downloads that report. You can even, it's printable, so he mm-hmm. likes to print it. You don't have to. You can walk around with a tablet. But, sure, sure. Um, some, some people, yeah, some people like to print it. So he prints it, walks around marks all the items that's supposed to go on the truck for the next morning and he's done. So he told us we saved them approximately. This is a retailer that does deliveries. Like, you know, sells nice artwork, sure. nice, uh, uh, TV stands, couches, furniture, whatever. He's a boutique store. Right. And he said, we saved them probably about two or three hours every night 
on, on what gets loaded just nice. with our report. With it our it really is incredibly time-consuming what a lot of these retailers do oh, that yeah. don't have a good, <laughs> that a good automation system. That isn't making money for them, right? Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious Absolutely. also, Danny, I was looking at your website and about the, the training and managing staff. You know, I'm, I'm presuming that, uh, that that's all built into the system, the, the training modules and so forth? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So we do have a different model, and I'll, and I'll keep emphasizing it and saying it early on, in 2013, 2014, a lot of people thought I was nuts because they said, no, there's, you're trying to build too much. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, but it's what the merchant wants. Right. The merchant doesn't want to go to 19 different applications because at the end of the day, it's going to cost them $500. Right. Okay? Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention the company out there, but you guys know them. They're owned by the largest processor uh, in the country. And, and that's their model is, you know, if you need this, you download an app. If you need this, you download an app. With our, 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 our answer to that is, well, your average SMB guy does not want to spend $600 a month in software, 500 300 right. So right. for us, it's a toggle on, toggle off. It's free. Everything's baked in. It's all included in one flat price. Sure. Okay, so uh, we've got a lot of really good information about kind of this multi-channel and, and that side of it. I want to now kind of dig a little bit more into Zusa's model because, again, you know, obviously our audience here is agents, ISO owners, ISO execs. So let's dive into the model a little bit. Um, the first one that, of course, everybody wants to know is obviously this is like processor agnostic, I'm, I'm assuming. And like, talk to us about the, the integration side. Do you need a gateway to integrate? Is it directly integrated with different companies? Like, give us a little bit of a flavor there. Sure, sure. And that's, that's a great question. Now, so we explain why the merchants love us, right? I felt like the first portion of this Yeah, call, exactly. Now we're transitioning why. to the reseller, right? Now, now let's talk about the reseller. So Zusa is not a competitor. We don't, we don't have a direct sales force. We're not out in the marketplace signing merchants. 100% of our sales comes through our partners. That's our ISV, ISO, bank channel. What we do for our partners is if they want it, I mean, they could obviously sell the Zusa software, but what we do with our partners is we give them all their own app. So we, our, our motto is why sell another company's brand when you could sell your brand? Right. Mm-hmm. So we give them an app. That they, that they can download to tablets, fully private labeled, fully white labeled. Even our customer supports white label. So when merchants call in, they think they're talking to the ISO. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's what we do for our partners. So we get into the marketplace with our partners. So the way we explain it is we're that back office um, software solution for your company, for your division. Okay. And, 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 the, and the way we're able to do that is because our partners love selling their brand versus that of a competing company. Right. So, mm-hmm. so there's, there's a huge benefit to that. I mean, studies have been done. Uh, even, even, when, even when these ISOs eventually get acquired, um, it actually adds more value to the portfolio to have merchants on their own private brand of versus course. that of sure. a Clover or a Vital. Right, right. 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 Yeah. Um, so, so, so. That's why we get a lot of people coming to us. Also, the big reason, and this is, this is the, the largest reason we're, we're um, seeing growth. We've been preaching since 2013, Patty and James. And then we tell partners that there's something in the business world called organic growth. Right. But you have to do absolutely nothing, and merchants call you and add more locations. So recently, here in Tempe, Arizona, we had a merchant with one location open up two more locations. Her business is booming. And I've been there. It's an awesome Awesome, awesome business. So expand to three more. She called her rep back that, hey, I need four more stations, two per business. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's awesome. Congratulations on the growth. Uh, I'll be by there tomorrow morning, uh, and I will get you all signed up, and I'll bring the merchant application. And she paused for a minute and said, wait a minute, did you do the credit cards for me too? He's like, yeah, I'm your credit card guy. She (laughs) goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I need that too. So, uh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you know, and he called me laughing, like, I don't even, he's like, I don't know if she would have come to us. And I said, well, yeah, if they're using, let's just say a Clover, more than likely they're calling Clover, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or if they're using the XYZ, more than likely they're using XYZ, they're going to call them. Right. Where without your own branded solution, they're going to call you back. Right. And right. they're going to tell their brothers and cousins and aunts about your software solution. Mm-hmm. And they're going to help you grow. Right. Right. So, so a lot of our partners, especially this year in 2019, where we've seen a 300% growth at Zusa. Wow. Okay, they're starting to see that what we told them four, five, six years ago is starting to pay off. Mm-hmm. They're getting yep. a lot of it. I mean, I'm talking about we, we've added, gosh, maybe over 1,000 or 2,000 merchants this year just on organic growth. Right. Wow. 
right? Because they're opening more locations. They're telling people about it. And, and like you said, rather than it being, we need to call the technology company to get more stations, it's like we need to call the processing company because it's their brand. Yeah, sure. Right, right, right. So, so, so that's where now we're starting to see a lot more uh, people are buying into it. They're believing it. And that's really what it is. I mean, if you're going to spend hard-earned marketing dollars, whatever your marketing budget is per year, you're better off promoting your brand than that of a competitor. That's what that's of that's course. what we tell our partners. Sure, sure. So talk to us a little bit, you know, whatever information you can share with kind of the cost model. I'm assuming this is like some kind of a monthly SaaS fee that the ISO pays and they can mark up and pass on if they want or whatever. Talk to us a little bit about the the economics of how this would work for an ISO that wants to work with you guys. Absolutely. So so we've made it very simple, James and Patty. We don't believe in nickel and diming the merchant. We don't believe in nickel and diming the, the, the ISO VAR bank, none of our partners, none of our resellers. We have a very simple solution. What, we don't charge a setup fee. All hardware, we, we have shopping carts through all the big part, all, all the main distribution centers out there. So Blue Star, uh, POS Portal, Phoenix Group, all of them have our hardware. Uh-huh. Um, so we don't, make, we don't make anything on that. So we don't make anything on hardware. We don't make anything on setup. We don't make anything on customer support. That's all free. They just pay for it when they need it. The only thing we charge is a small SAS per tablet fee. That's it. So and kind of a per station, fee, basically. Yeah, per mm-hmm. station. And that small fee includes, like I said, calendar, loyalty, time and attendance, inventory, full inventory. So we're not talking about basic. We're talking about, I mean, you could with us, you could track two shots of Grey Goose out of a, out of a Moscow mule, okay? <laughs> um, and then all the way back to your bottle of Grey Goose, all the way back to your box, all the way back to your pallet, and then all the way back to your supplier, and then the software will automatically reorder your inventory for you if you let it. Yeah. So uh, with us, it's all baked in, all included, one small flat rate. So I'm assuming then that, I mean, obviously there's got to be a, probably a cost to kind of white-label white label everything. So I'm assuming kind of your, maybe you're like maybe, you know, medium to larger kind of ISOs are probably doing the branding thing, and, and maybe there's a cost there. And then maybe also an individual agent that wants to sell Zuza, could they be like, they could actually sell the Zuza brand if they wanted to? Like, is that is that still an option or is it always white-labeled? Absolutely. They can sell the Zusa brand. We don't, and, and you're right. That's more for our, the, the, the agents that maybe aren't ready to, right. right. Uh, and, and the cost, the cost to get your own app is minimal to nothing. Yeah. Okay, depending on the partnership, we actually uh, can even remove the setup fee. Okay. We don't, uh, for us, we look at more of the opportunity. We make our money off the SAS model. We right. don't really make money on, uh, we want to give you your own app depending on the organization and, and right, the size. As long as, as, long as it's worthwhile, so, there's going to be enough merchants on it basically. Yeah, but we also tell partners, look, if you're a one-man shop, you're probably just better off selling the Zuza because, because at that point, you know, if you're a single agent, we could take care of building out the menus and the inventory and all that fun stuff for you. So it just depends on the group. I mean, honestly, I would say 90 95% of our partners are white-labeled. Sure. Um, That's and, kind and of what I would five, think. And then a, yeah, and there is a 5 to 10% window where, um, you know, they're not. Right. Got it. So, all right. So I want to shift gears just a little bit and kind of go kind of back to the merchant side, but kind of the merchant and the agent have this issue where one of the big reasons that agents and ISOs don't sell, you know, aggressively sell business solutions like this is that, you know, they recognize, hey, if I go sell a VX520 or a Deja Vu Z11, well, I just go out, I plug it in and I leave and I'm done. Whereas with this solution, we talked about a lot of really cool features, but each one of those features comes with its own set of kind of complication and how do we train, how do we install. So talk about how you overcome that challenge with your resellers where they want to focus on selling stuff, maybe not so much on how do I train all of my 1099 contractors to become experts on Zusa. Can you talk a little bit about you know what your partners have done, what kind of the, the you know best practices are there? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and again, for the guys that say, hey, setting up a terminal is easy, we say, great. Then all you have to do with us, walk in there, hand them the tablet, walk out, like begin processing payments immediately. Right. So, so you, have, you have the simple uh, model we, where they can do it that way. Absolutely. We have, we, we, I mean, that's, we have, believe it or not, we have a, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a lot, it's a small piece of the business, but probably 10 or 15% of the merchants that get set up, get set up that way. Now, the beauty is, for, for what we tell our partners is the reason why we're succeeding is because you could set them up as just a simple terminal and walk out of there. But the difference is if they call you two or three months from now and they say, you know what, I need reports or I need a loyalty program or I need this or that, you no longer have to run like a chicken with its head cut off 
You can say, oh, it's easy. Right. Go under loyalty, click on turn activate, watch the training video right there, okay, on how to set up your loyalty program, or read the information icons, and you're done. So that's what makes it so much more user-friendly is they don't have to use those solutions, but when they're ready for them, and by the way, I, I can't, I mean, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but the majority of the merchants who start off with a simple terminal eventually needed to add something. Of course. Reports. Sure. Uh, inventory. Yeah. They eventually went and turned on other features, which is why um, the, the product becomes so sticky and so sticky for the ISO. Yeah. Right. Okay. Got it. So basically, I guess my real question then kind of as a follow-up is like, so how much of your training and onboarding is predicated on this model of we have great videos, we have great training there, which is great. It makes it easy versus is there still a lot of situations though where the merchant's like, well, yeah, I want to set up my inventory management and I watch the video, but like, I still don't exactly know what to do. You know, is that the ISO's responsibility? Is that yours? Or does it kind of depend on the, the relationship and the agreement you have? And again, it makes, to us, it makes no difference. We let the ISO determine if they want us handling that, we'll absolutely handle it. If Got they it. want to handle it, they can absolutely handle it. So I, the, one thing I'll tell you about this industry, Patty and James, is there is no one size fits all. Absolutely. I get call me and they say, you know what we love about Zusa? We, ha- we love that we get our own reseller portal and we could turn off and turn on tablets any time of the day. We love that we have full control that, that you don't even build a merchant, but you bill us directly and we build a merchant, whatever we want to bill them. Mm-hmm. So if we want to give it to them for free, we can give it to them for free. Or if we want to, or if we don't, before we want to charge them 150 bucks a month, we could. Um, so with our solution, we tailor it around the partnership. We're very nimble. So yes, we do take, we have some partners that they give the customer our 1-800 number and they stay out of it completely. We have some that they do everything and they only call us when they get stuck. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. We don't care. It doesn't really change the pricing models up to the partnership. A lot of them like to have that control. I'd probably say it's a 60-40 split um, and, and to us it makes no difference. Got it. Okay. So, yes, we, do, we, we service both. Yeah, love it. Awesome. So, wow, just so much really good information. Really a lot of stuff here. Uh, so I definitely want to get to the website and where they go to get more information, but I have one last quick question for you, totally off the wall. So you mentioned that, you know, you're 18 years old as a, you know, uh, as a an entrepreneur and before that, you know, trading stocks, et cetera. So here's my question for you. Danny, if you could go back in time, to, you know, before you bought that first Papa John's franchise and give yourself one piece of advice about entrepreneurship and, and building and growing a profitable business, what would it be? That's a good question. Uh, I try not to live with uh, regrets. Of course. Um, definitely one of the things I would say uh, shaped my life early on was when I, when I met an individual, uh, I, w- I was having a lot of success early on in life and uh, you know, I became a millionaire in my 20s and, uh, uh, and have grown since then. And, and the one thing he told me, he said, it's not where you go in life that matters. It's who you become getting there that does. Mm. And that, and that yeah. stuck with me early on because, uh, you know, coming here, immigrating here at three years old uh, from the Middle East, uh, we had a very rough childhood. I mean, quite honestly, in my sure. early life in inner city Detroit, it was not... Uh, the most fun times. Oh, I bet. Up. So sure. I, I, I got my drive from that, James and Patty. I, yep. I got my hunger, my drive, my ambition, saying that I want to change. I, I don't want my kids to live this way. Right. right? Sure. Yep. So I became very ambitious, but at, at an early age, uh, I met a young, uh, I would, I was a young man, but older than I at the time, and um, you, you know, he led me to uh, know more about who God was and and, and helped me walk down that path. So. I, I wouldn't say I would have any changes because I was fortunate that as my success started to grow, yeah, I was introduced to uh, a, a good individual who helped me uh, become more of a mature and, uh, individual and also stay humble, right, in my face right. and, and, and what I did. So honestly, Great advice. I, don't, I, I definitely made mistakes over my career, but I learned from those mistakes. It helped me become who I was and... and uh, contributed to the success I've had yep. uh, now in my late 30s. So, so I think that I know that's probably not 
That's probably not the answer you guys want. No, that's exactly the answer. That's I a perfect to, answer. Yeah, I mean, because I think what you, it's so important. What 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 sticks sticks out to me is the idea of no matter how successful you become, to be humble. And and you know, I've I've watched people in this business for 20, 30, 40 years, and the ones that are consistently successful are the ones who are humble. Yeah, yeah, they, they keep uh, going. They have no. that drive. They don't feel like they've arrived. They, yeah, they don't feel like, you know, oh, I've proven something, you right. know. It's, no, they're, yeah, they're, they're doing good by other people, and that's what's important. And that's, you have to be that way because, like I said, I had a pastor one time that told me, let me know whenever you see a U-Haul driving to a funeral home because at the end of the day, we're all going <laughs> You can't so, take it with you. That's right. You can't yeah. take it with you. So, yeah. so I think it's, it's important to help and give back. And, and um, that, I mean, not, not to pat myself on the back or brag because I don't like to even mention these things, but, but I do a lot of, uh, in the community but also internationally for underprivileged children. Uh-huh. That's, that's kind of my, um, honestly, one of my focal points in life. It's what I'm trying to raise my boys to be uh-huh. is, is to help them understand that, look, there's kids out there just like I was. Right. That, you know, they right. think there's no hope. Yep. And, yeah. And it's our job to teach them that there is hope and yeah. that, you know, through faith and through hard work, you can change the course of your life. And, right? and, 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 and that's it. You know, you change the course of your life and you also can help other people change the course of their lives. Yeah. 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 You success. have to give back. I, I'm yeah. a big believer in. I agree. If you stay humble. Yes. Yeah. If you could stay humble and help others and, and bless others, it's, you know, I, I'm a true believer in. You know that's that's the way it has to be. That's my opinion. Again, uh, that, that was a good question. I wasn't expecting you guys to ask it, <laughs> uh, but I think it's a great a answer. Bit. Yeah, that was good. I'm glad we got uh, to catch you off guard with that one. So, well, well, Danny, I can't think of a better way to uh, end the interview than with that advice. But before we let you go, obviously, many of our listeners, ISOs, agents, etc., they're going to want to learn more. Uh, where would you send them? The easiest way is to email sales at Getzuza. That's sales at G-E-T-Z-U-Z-A, so Zebra Umbrella, Zebra Apple.com. And obviously the website is GetZuza.com. So if you want to read up some more information on there, you're welcome to. Awesome. Um, but um, the other option is if you want to call in, you're, you're absolutely welcome to. It's right on the website. Uh, you can call in at 855-GetZuza.com. Excellent. Awesome. Danny, thank you so much for your time today and this great information. Just really appreciate it and uh, wish Zuza continued success. Yes. Thanks, Danny. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For the past 36 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at greensheet.com. Okay, so today I'm going to um, report on a, a major piece of legislation that's making its way through Congress, the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act, which passed the House, the U.S. House, with overwhelming majorities from both sides of the political aisle. Nice. And this bill creates a safe harbor for banks and other financial services organizations that want to work with cannabis businesses. Okay. Because, you know, that's been the big deal is that, Indeed. you know, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. Right. And it generates a lot of tax revenue, which, is why, which is why I got support on both sides of the aisle. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and and it's, it's cash rich. Right. You know, banks don't want to take the cash and, right. and credit card processors don't want to handle it. Right. And it makes these businesses targets for crime. Sure. In, in addition to being totally inconvenient. I mean, right. I'll tell a little aside. I have my medical uh, marijuana license in, in Maryland. Right. And it's a pain in the butt. I have to go. I have to carry cash. This right. stuff is not cheap. <laughs> you know? Right, right. So it's sort of like, I don't really, I mean, any, you know that everybody who's walking into that place, they actually have an armed guard at the door. Tuesday, really? Who has to let me in. Wow. 
And he's like, you know, I asked him one time, I'm like, well, you're here. What about me from the parking lot? He's like, oh, we have cameras out there. Well, that's how I know you're coming to the door. Wow. Well, but, so basically what you're saying is that not only is this unsafe and inconvenient for the business, but also the the, the customer the customers, like, you know, if you were somebody that wanted to, to rob people, steal their purse or their wallet, you would stand a block away from this place. And as you see people walking, or yes, you, indeed. You, then you just, you know, they've got cash. You know, they have cash. Wow. That's, that's yeah. a, I didn't think of that before. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And it's really interesting. I mean, I've talked to, you know, I have a niece who lives in Florida mm-hmm. and she's like, that's the biggest reason why we don't want one of those in our neighborhood. Right. Because it's a magnet for crime. Right. You know, so, so you know, the right now laws in 33 states and the District of Columbia permit the use of cannabis products like marijuana and CBD oils for medicinal or recreational, pur- in some cases, adult recreational purposes. Right. And it's a huge market. Um, $11 billion in legal cannabis sales alone last year. If you wow. put in CBD, it was closer to $25 billion. Wow. That's huge, you know? Sure. And it's on track. Just cannabis, legal cannabis sales alone are on track to uh, top $23 billion in sales by 2022. Wow. And, huge um, industry. Huge industry. You know, but like we said, most of these are, you know, pet products, of course, are um, still illegal under federal law. And because of that, because most banks and credit unions are regulated at the federal level, they're not keen on knowingly doing business with these businesses. So so help me understand this a little bit, because mm-hmm. again, this is definitely not my area of expertise. Sure. So you're saying that the federal law still basically says that selling these things is not okay, but there are state laws that say, it is okay. Right. And so the idea is, of course, that in the United States, the, the state's rights mm-hmm. supersede, right? And so the idea, right, right is that it, it's it's okay in these states it's because okay of the state in the law. It's okay in states as long as you're not carrying it across to another state. State lines. Right. But you're saying that the big banks who are underwriting these processing accounts, et cetera, et cetera, they are under all these federal regulations right. and laws, and so they don't want to do something that's okay in the state but not okay federally. Right, because under federal law, because they're illegal, right? Right. That money, when it's being deposited in a bank, is considered proceeds of illegal activities. <laughs> so it becomes money laundering. Uh, okay. So now the Justice Department, <coughs> excuse me, and the Treasury Department have put these rules together. And if the banks want to jump through a lot of hoops, okay, do you know much more um, stringent know your customer procedures file currency transaction reports on every deposit they make. Oh, my. Okay. Okay? If you want to go through all that, then, yeah, you can do this. But we have something like 17,000 banks and credit unions in the United States. Okay. There's 127 that are that are jumping through this. those hoops and providing services. <laughs> and most of them are credit uh, unions. Most of them, you know, okay. in Colorado, in Washington, uh, right, sure. in California. Sure. So, you know, it's just this this wow. mismatch. It's what a, a mess. Yeah, it's a real it's a real mess in terms of the mismatch of state and, and local laws. Right. You know, some have likened um and some have likened the the federal situation to Operation Choke Point. Remember that? No. Okay, that was back around 2013, I think. And the Justice Department, you know, the U.S. Justice Department and federal bank regulators uh, started cracking down. They wanted to crack down on payday lenders and firearms dealers. Okay. Okay. So they they started, uh, you know, dinging banks that were doing businesses with these. Okay. With these kinds of businesses. And um, that, in turn, led a lot of um, payment processors to shut down the accounts right. of these businesses. Sure. And uh, you know, it was a it was a big it was a big deal. It was during the Obama administration. Okay. And then eventually, after a bunch of lawmakers started squawking and going, "Wait a minute, you know, you're you're you know, you're treating legitimate businesses unfairly right. just because they're high risk doesn't mean that they're illegal." Right. And that's kind of what's happening with... Well, yeah, it's almost like you have to, obviously, from a policy perspective, you have to separate these two things. One is, you know, should this be, is this legal or not? Right. And then number two is, if it is legal, then how are we protecting consumers and businesses and allowing them to exercise their rights? Their legal rights under state law. Right. Right. So to me, it's like these are two different things. And so it sounds like, well, I'll be interested to hear. I'll I'll wait. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let me me go go on. We can talk some more about it. Okay. But like I said, there's, you know, 127 banks or thereabouts and the paperwork involved is ridiculous. Uh, There are also about a dozen or so payment processing companies that work with businesses that are legally selling cannabis and CBD products. 
but they can't process through the major card networks. Instead, they have to use you know these innovative approaches like cashless ATMs right. or specialty prepaid cards. Right. That's, that's one that I, I've heard of recently. Okay. And here's the real, and I think we talked about this a few months ago, Elevon um, earlier this year actually began boarding CBD yes. merchants, right? And about two months later, they shut them all down. They shut the accounts all down over fears of because Visa basically said, uh-uh, this is still illegal under federal law. So you can't be boarding these guys. So I knew I knew an agent down in uh, wow. Florida who had to go back and like go find new arrangements. Oh yeah, for all of his. You know, he had, yeah. he he was so excited. Yeah, I remember he came to me and said, "You know, Elevon's going to let us board CBD agent um, merchants. This is great. Can you help us with some marketing materials and right, all this right. kind of stuff?" And then. Three months later, he calls and says, "You're not going to believe this." You yeah. Know, now we got to go find. You know. Yeah, I had no problem believing it at all. Yeah, I didn't either. But I mean, <laughs> theoretically, you're not going to believe it, right? Uh, right. Right. <laughs> sure. So anyway, the Safe Banking Act addre- addresses this mismatch of state and federal laws on cannabis. It would create a safe harbor for financial institutions that want to accept deposits and provide other financial services to businesses that are licensed by states and/or local governments to grow, transport, display or sell cannabis products. And here's an interesting thing. The legislation also applies to ancillary businesses, you know, like the guys that do testing labs. Like all cannabis products have to be tested for purity and so forth. Landlords, a lot of landlords are getting dinged by banks. They're getting dumped by banks because they're renting their properties to cannabis businesses. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's far reaching. Electricians. Yeah. I, I knew of an electric. I heard about a, a story about an electrician out in Oregon. Yeah. You know, his bank shut him, shut down his account because he was doing, you know, working with grow houses. Oh, OK. OK. You know, so the, so it's not just the businesses themselves that are being dinged right. under this mismatch. OK. But, you know, the uh, ancillary guys. So so there is similar legislation in the Senate where it also has bipartisan support. And while there's no guarantee that the full Senate's going to vote on the bill, as the House did um, right. earlier in September, okay. the chairman of the Senate Banking Committee has promised that something like the Safe Banking Act will come up for a vote this fall. Okay. Now, as for the full Senate, again, Senator Mc- Mitch McConnell, who everybody knows, you know, sort of is the gatekeeper to what legislation gets held, you know, gets course. considered in the Senate, he hasn't said whether or not he'll um, let any such legislation to the to the floor for a vote, but it's it's worth noting that McConnell was the power behind provisions that were added to the 2018 Farm Bill, which removed hemp from the Controlled Substances Act, which is the federal legislation right, that prohibits right. things like cannabis and heroin and so forth. So it seemed like he's amenable to... He's amenable yeah. because the fact is, is he's from Kentucky where they grow a lot of hemp. I see. Okay, and hemp is a type of cannabis, cannabis that uh, contains minuscule amounts of THC, which is the compound in cannabis that gets the users high. Okay. Okay, and then we've talked about CBD, which is cannabidiol, which is another compound that's used usually for pain and stress, and again, it doesn't get you high as well. I see. Okay. okay? So as a result of this 2018 farm bill. There's been an explosion of hemp-derived CD, CBD products in the mainstream market, including CVS, Walgreens, and uh, convenience stores. Sure. What blew my mind, I was at the at the uh, Giant Eagles, my, where I shop. Okay. You have them up here as well, right. I believe, right? right? Right, And they have a pharmacy, and I go there because I love their points. And uh, I'm standing on line one day, and I see hemp CBD cor- corner. They had a whole really? corner. And giant eagle. And giant eagle of wow. hemp CBD products. Okay. So I'm like, whoa, this is pretty, you know, and, and which yeah. kind of got me thinking. It's like, well, you know that giant eagle isn't going to lose its credit card processing. Right. <laughs> right. You know, and nobody's going to take that away from a big chain like that. Right. So there are some, you know, ways around this. You know, so like I said, um, you know, passage in the Senate isn't guaranteed, um, but the vote in the House does mark the first time ever that cannabis-related legislation has been taken up on the floor of either chamber of con- con- Congress. So that's, wow. a, that's a pretty big deal. I should say. And I think it's worth noting that the Safe Banking Act enjoys a lot of support, and not just from folks who use cannabis. 
Here's some of the people who are backing it. The American Bankers Association, Credit Union National Association, Electronic Transactions Association, Independent Bankers, Independent Community Bankers Association, National Association of Attorneys General, 20 governors and eight state banking supervisors have all, you know, yeah. written letters of support for the legislation. Hmm. So, you know, this is something that, um, you know, I, I really think this is something that's going to happen. Maybe not right. now, but right. soon. And I think that the, the merchants need clarity and certainly the people that want to be out there sure. selling to these merchants need some clarity. Okay, so so just again, and this is good because I mean, I'm sure, like everybody else in the industry, I'm sure a lot of people that don't have anything to do with this, uh, selling this, uh, you know, processing right. to CBD and all that, like me, they are hearing a lot about it, right? right? And so they probably have some questions I do. So let me ask sure. a couple questions here to understand. So what you're saying is, this law does not have this legislation has nothing to do with making CBD and other products legal in in places right. where it's currently not. Correct. This law simply says if the state has said this is legal and your local municipality says it's okay for you to be operating to do that, this right? Business. You're you're licensed. You you jump through all the hoops that your state and local officials say you need right. to jump through. Then you should not be penalized for operating what is a legitimate business in your area. Yes. Is that what it is saying? That's exactly. And you should not well, be. Yeah, of course. You should I not mean, be that's... penalized. You should not be kept out of the banking system. Sure. That's what really matters. Is that right. When you think about, you know, we talk a lot about unbanked consumers. Right. They're right? unbanked businesses. These are unbanked businesses. Yeah, and it's multi-billion yeah. dollar businesses. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think I, I might have told you this before. I interviewed a woman one time out in uh, Washington State where it's been legal okay. for a while. Yeah. And she was telling me that on any given day, she has $30,000 in cash in her store. Wow. She yeah. actually has to have, like the place where I go, she has an armed guard that accompanies her to the bank. And she said to me, do you know how many times I've been booted out of the bank? Because it's like you start bringing $30,000 worth of cash. Right. They're like, where'd it come from? Where'd it come from? And they actually sure. now have these. Well, anything over 10000 you have to report. You have to report, yeah. right? And they also will run these through. They can. They have like the currency counters that can sniff out. Like, you know how back in the old days they could yeah, yeah, sniff yeah. out if they had cocaine or whatever oh, on them? Okay, okay. They'll sniff out if it's, you know, if it has, uh, you know, if you're handling cannabis and you're handling cash, there's wow. going to be res residue on there. Wow. And so th that's how she lost a couple of her accounts. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I can't get insurance. I can't get banking. I can't get payment processing services. You know, she had a hard time even putting an ATM in her, in her store. Right. Wow. Yeah. To me, and again, I, I guess, I guess my thought is that, you know, as a total outsider on this, I mean, I guess the idea is if you if you really are separating these two arguments, mm -hmm. so this is not about should cannabis be legal, no. right. then I would think pretty much everybody would be on board with if we're if we're going to say it's legal to do this, then we need to be able to bank these people. Well, yeah, yeah. And they should have insurance and they should have bank accounts and I don't know, you know, yeah. So, yeah. so I, and, you know, and even yeah. things like one of the things that that uh, blew my mind was I was reading one time that, um, you know, if you don't pay your taxes, you're in trouble, right? Right, right. But if you don't have a bank account, then you can't pay your taxes electronically. Right. And if you can't pay your t taxes electronically, there's a surcharge. Sure. Yeah. Right? Right. And right. so, you know, it's like, yeah. wait a well, minute. Well, in a way, I... maybe it becomes a little bit uh, profitable for them to keep this mismatch. Well, but you know what? I cannot imagine that the money they would gain from the surcharge would be greater than the money they're losing by so many of these businesses saying, "Well, screw you!" If the right. government, you know, screw you, IRS. Right. Uh, if you're if you're going to force me to take cash, I'm not going to report it. Or even and 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 let's be realistic: the money you're going to spend having to have extra police patrols of, of your course. Own lo local municipality. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow, so, very, very interesting, Patty. Yeah. yeah. So, I think well, this there is a we'll really interesting it, thing. I think it's something people ought to stay on top of because it's going to be a, it's a hot topic market. for sure. So, yeah. yeah, interesting to see how it goes. Yeah. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange, 
and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the Optical program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. So Patty, today I'm going to cover a topic that is going to be a little bit challenging to cover via audio. Mm. And uh, we'll kind of see how it goes. I want to talk about cash discount pricing. Um, there are some really serious misconceptions and bad information out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I have it down to a point where I can explain the gist of it and then people can kind of dive in. Uh, I will go ahead and, you know, you know a teaser alert here. I'm, I was just going to suggest, don't you have a I have an webinar, e-book. right? I have an ebook coming oh, up. Oh, an ebook. Well, okay. I also have a webinar coming yeah, up too, right. both. But the ebook is the one that's really going to break this down in kind of a written format that's going to be Good, easy to understand. Because people do need to be able to. They do. They yeah. do. But I thought I'd give a little precursor and just to kind of get people thinking about it. So. What are the numbers that we deal with with a cash discounting customer? Now, of course, we have escrow billing, and there are only mm-hmm. I, I only know of two providers right now uh, on the technology side that offer escrow billing. This is where we are split funding the transaction. We're holding this amount of money. It's not a daily discount. We're actually holding the money, and then at the end of the month, we're paying the processing fees and whatever is left over is margin. Right. So that model is actually fairly straightforward, and there's not much I need to talk about there. Right. Well, what I'm talking about is you have a cash discount program or an in-kind incentive like a non-cash adjustment fee or a service fee or something like that mm-hmm. and you are trying to collect that money via daily discount right right okay. and then you are charging the merchant a flat processing fee that's the way this really works okay yeah sure. right mm-hmm. so there's basically three numbers we have well, there's really four, but one of them is the discount, your the cash discount. But right. we're not going to talk about that because we don't really actually care about that as far as the processing. That's just a sign, mm-hmm. right? So what we care about is three numbers. We care about the service fee or the non-cash adjustment or whatever you want to call it, right. kind incentive. So we have that. We're collect- How much are we adding on to the transaction, right? Okay, yeah. Next, we have the daily discount. Right. So how how much of the transaction are we collecting in advance? Mm-hmm. The reason we're collecting it in advance is to offset the fees. Right. So the third number is the flat rate right. that you're charging the uh, the, uh, the merchant. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, ideally, we would love for these numbers to all match up. Of course. Wouldn't that be amazing, right? And it would be um, a stroke of genius. But <laughs> Yes. I am going to tell you in the next five minutes how to make these three numbers all match up, all to the penny, every single time. Abracadabra. Yep. Okay. Now, spoiler alert, in reality, somebody has to pay a little bit extra. Let me explain what I mean by this. So... We have a $10, well, let's use $100, makes the math easier. We have a $100 transaction, mm-hmm. and let's say we have a 3.99% service fee. Okay. Right? Right. So the total transaction is going to be $103.99. Yes. Yes? Now, what most people fail to understand is that the daily discount and the flat rate are going to be charged on the total amount, the $103.99, not on the 100 Oh, right. Right? Right. So what happens here is that on this extra Mm $3.99, whatever flat rate you're charging the merchant, that is going to be charged on the $100. Mm -hmm. It's also going to be charged on the $3.99. Now, somebody has to pay that. Mm -hmm. There are two ways that you can set this up in order for that extra money to be paid. Option number one is that you can charge a flat rate to the merchant that is lower than the service fee you're charging to the consumer. Okay. So let's again make the math here. So if we did a 3.99% service fee, and you could get out a calculator if you want to run the math, you could charge the merchant 3.84% flat rate. Okay. Okay. Sure. Three point eight four percent of one hundred three ninety nine is three dollars and ninety nine cents. Okay. 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 But that's going to leave a big problem because what do you you know now you get this daily discount? Let's say your daily discount is you know 
3.84%. Mm-hmm. You charge the merchant 3.84%. Well, now that matches up to the penny with one huge compliance problem. You're now technically, and some would say, you're now charging the consumer more than the cost of processing. All right, because of the difference between 384 and 399. Now, right. it's the same dollar amount. Sure. So you could definitely make that argument. And I know some that have made that argument, but the larger issue in my mind, I mean that's an issue with the compliance obviously. You don't that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. But the larger issue is that your agent has to explain this. <laughs> you know? Right. And by the way, it's not 3.84, it's actually like 3.84673625. Yeah, sure. Right? Right. Well, there's going to be some rounding errors. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have a problem, right? Right, sure. So you have the compliance issue, you have the rounding errors, and you now have your salespeople trying to explain to the customer that, well, actually, Mr. Customer, uh, your flat rate's going to be two po- or 3.84%, but we're going to charge your, your you know customers 3.99%, and your daily discount's going to be 3.84%, and they're like... And their head's spinning. What? What yeah. are you talking about, right? Right, right. And again, it doesn't really match up to the penny because of the rounding errors, right? Sure. Next option, even worse... The next option is, I've seen people do this, where what they'll do is they'll do a 3.99% service fee. Mm -hmm. They'll do a 2.84% daily discount. Okay. And then they'll charge the merchant 3.99% flat rate. So what they're doing here is they're matching up and saying we're charging the merchant the same thing that we're charging the consumer, Mm -hmm. 3.99%. Right. But the problem is that the merchant is paying the 3.99% on the service fee. Right. So at the end of the month, you didn't actually collect enough revenue. Right. So at the end of the month, the merchant is going to owe the service fee or the flat fee, I guess we'd say. They're going to owe the flat fee revenue on the service fee revenue. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. My Which, head's spinning already. But it's incredibly confusing for the merchant sure. because they look at their statement and they go, okay, I pro- so let's, let's use numbers, right? I processed $10,000. Right. So my actual processing volume was 10399 right? Mm-hmm. So $399 is the number we're trying to get to, right? So they look at that and they go, okay, cool. So I what happened was I, I processed ten thousand three ninety nine. The processor collected three hundred and ninety nine dollars because they did three point eight four percent of ten thousand three ninety nine. Right. So like we collected three hundred ninety nine. Great. Okay. My total fees for the month were four hundred and fourteen dollars. Why? Because yeah. we charged three point nine nine percent. On ten thousand three hundred and ninety nine. Right. That's not three hundred and ninety nine dollars. It's four hundred and fourteen or something like that. Yeah, sure. So now they owe fourteen dollars and sixty two cents or whatever. And they're like, What is Why, this? Yeah, you told me this is gonna be cheaper and you now told you're... me it was you were eliminating my processing fees. Right. What is this? Well, try to explain that to a customer, right? Yeah, right. So what is the right solution? It's option C, the third one. And it's the simplest one. You're gonna love this. Ready? Simplicity. I love simplicity. Three point nine nine service fee. Right. 3.99 daily discount. Right. 3.99 flat rate. Of course. Match all three of yes. them. Yes. Now, here's what happens in that scenario. There is one little downside to it. There's a downside to all of these, but this one has the lowest downside. The downside to this one is that some people have argued with me and said that it's a little bit deceptive in a way. A little bit. And here's why. What's actually happening here is now we have, you know, they did 10,000 in volume, right? Right. We charged that 3.99 service fee, so we they did 10,399 total volume. Right. Right. We did a 3.99% daily discount right. on the total, so we collected like 414. Right. We charged them 3.99% on the 10,399. Right. So their total fees are 414. Right. 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 So at the end of the month, they get their bill and it says total fees 414. We collected 414. You owe nothing. Right. Perfectly, and and the same way that mo- I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I've never seen it where it doesn't work. Like if the processor, however they rounded the three point nine nine on the daily discount, that's the same way they're going to round the the flat fee. Sure. So they're sure. going to match to the penny every single time. Now, what actually is happening here, though? Well, what's actually happening here is the merchant is actually technically paying 
a little bit more than what they're what they're collecting from the consumer. Sure, they sure. collected three ninety nine from the consumer. They're actually paying four hundred fourteen, but you're collecting that in advance. Right. So what actually happens in practice? The merchant, of course, does not realize he this, and it's realize. very it's minimal amount. Wash. Yeah. Right. And they're like, oh, cool, it matches up. It's zero. The merchant's That's all happy. I care about. Right. right. It's very obviously compliant in terms of. The 3.99 matches with what's the consumer. So clearly we have a match there. So mm -hmm. that's obvious. And again, the only downside here is now all of a sudden, <clears throat> excuse me, the, you know, again, that extra $14, $15 on 10000 whatever, right? That extra 14 basis points, that now is being paid by the merchant because they really didn't collect that much extra revenue. Right. But they don't really realize they're They don't it. realize it. And so some people are like, well, they have to realize it. So, you know, I'm like, well, I mean, that's fine. If you believe that, then explain that to the merchant up front. And, and put that in there. Yeah. The truth is they're not going to understand it anyway, but it's fine. But the thing is, the merchants are going to be so much happier with that model and your agents are going to be so much happier because to them, it's like, you know, you just tell them in the training, it's like, well, how do we do this? Well, you price them at 3%, 3%, 3%, or yeah. three and a half, three and a half, three and a half. Right. You know, it's the same number all three times. Right. And there's no, no nothing to explain. Nothing to explain. And guess what? When the statement comes, I promise you that, well, I shouldn't say this, I guess, but I think it's extremely unlikely that a merchant's going to reach out to you and say, I think I paid an extra $13.64. Yeah. I can't tell, but I think I did. But I think I might have. No. no. They're going to get their statement and go, look at that. They were right. It's zero. Yeah. That's all they care That's about. That's all they care about. So that is a very complicated subject in a very short amount of time. So uh, <laughs> just uh, stay tuned for James's ebook. Yes. It'll be and coming out probably in 30 to 60 days. We'll get it done and, and have it out. But I've got about, uh, about halfway done. Going to get designed and all that stuff. But so. good stuff, James. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Patty. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.